Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to the Creep Dive, you friendly creeps. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for giving... The Patreon has been a buzz this week. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, the pa- we've got loads of patrons this week. Patrons? Patreon. Patreon. Um, Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash the Creep Dive because I think they can smell the totes being so close. <laughs> they were supposed to be here today. They were supposed to be here today. I don't know where they are, but I have seen we're pictures shocked, of them. As I'm sure you are. But, but the postcards, everyone who's, we have a postcards. Pa- everyone who's a patron and has been a patron is getting a handwritten postcard. And they're not just oh, generic messages. I've, just, I've changed it up. I've got like maybe six on rotation. Really? I'm yeah. oh, sorry that you're writing. Mm. I want an opportunity to write things. Do you, you just you started eye rolling when you heard her say that we were handwriting postcards and then when you knew that you weren't involved, you oh, get annoyed. But I just don't know why you need to add any more. There's no... Because we need to thank people. But we do this constantly. <laughs> I kind of, I like going through the list and seeing who everybody is, though. What's there's the lo- you know there's wha- loads of patrons in Australia. No, I, I didn't, didn't when that. I, you know, didn't consider the shipping rate. But And also, like, our cons- we absolutely, we have, Australia has been a source of a lot of creeps. That's what I wrote in one of the postcards. Look out for all those Australian creeps. There are many. And our accents... Some be better than I others. I mean, I assume there are Irish people in Australia, so I don't think anybody outside Ireland would enjoy us. So if you haven't become a patron, please consider doing so. Do you if mean? we make you laugh. Do you think not anybody outside of Ireland might enjoy it? I've moved on. Okay. Um, <laughs> if you become a patron, you do get a tote, a handwritten postcard, and you can get early access to our Halloween show, which is in a very cool, creepy location. So many people text me for the location and... I told it to them, so it's out there. So if you want to know where it is, just DM us. Are we not saying it for a reason? No. We are. Are we? Oh, we can finally say that 
the Halloween creep dive is being held in Henrietta Street. If you know, you know. If, if you, you know, you know. Google it. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. I didn't know and I just Googled it and it looks really appropriately creepy and haunted. Um, Sophie, you texted earlier today to say we should all, and somebody emailed in the Creep Dive Instagram, do a bit of uh, read that cut article about Caroline Calloway. Caroline Calloway, the latest Instagram scammer. Is she an Instagram scammer? I feel like That's a question. I actually feel like this is we're having like a 20 minute before brunch here in the middle of the creep dive. I really want to get into it. Like, well, I think we should. I mean, did everyone do their homework? I did it. It took me literally all fucking day to read that article. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I actually have a real bone to pick with the author of that article. I had a feeling that, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm interested to hear. So give us, someone gives the, gives a skinny. You do the skinny there, Cass, because you're, you're raring to go. Okay, basically, in a nutshell, Caroline Calloway is this Instagram influencer who's kind of been on Instagram since around 2013. And she started off, she's, her story, her narrative is that she became influential and she gained 50,000 followers when a picture of hers ended up on the favorites grid in the early days of Instagram and loads of people liked her. The picture was a series of macaroons. Yeah, a picture of macaroons. So she... Then um, she kind of built up her following on Instagram using a, what was it, the ad- hashtag adventure? Adventuregram? Or Adventuregram. Adventuregram. Adventuregram, I think it was. Mm. And basically this essay has now been written by her former best friend who she had as a sidekick throughout this time as she was, you know, gaining traction on Instagram. Natalie. Natalie. And they met at a creative writing workshop, hit it off, very different characters. Uh, Caroline is described as gorgeous, gaining a lot of male attention. Money doesn't seem to be a problem for her. Um, Very whimsical, total lack of responsibilities. Whereas this uh, Natalie is a struggling writer, taking on loads of different jobs. Basically falls into this trap of being her kind of unofficial PA forward slash editor. So Caroline Insta caption ghostwriter. Yes. So Caroline's like notoriety on Instagram. There's a lot. A lot is is being said about how she used Instagram as kind of a real time memoir that she um, wrote these long form captions, even though they're really popular now. She was doing them from the start Mm. and they were very much like diary entry type things. Yeah, they were like, you know, rich Swedish guy has fallen in love with me. Now I'm in a triangle with my professor at Cambridge. And, you know, like her life was like a kind of modern day sort of Evelyn Waugh novel. It was... As she kind of tripped around Europe. Yeah, and it was as if Gossip Girl and Sex in the City had a baby. And like... That is the voice. But it was truly ahead of its time. I mean, it, it, it was what Instagram sort of is now. It was very much microblogging. Yeah, there was mm. a gorgeous photo and then two or three paragraphs of really reflective writing. Yeah, like boring kind of digestible. I enjoy, yeah. Photos were kind of nice, not that nice. It was all sort of vanilla, vanilla but regular. But like it all kind of started to crash and burn like before this essay. But this essay has made it really hit the kind of general consciousness. Yes. Like so in kind of she was a like a laughing stock 
of the internet, say, kind of in sort of 2017, 2018. Yeah. Because she decided to start selling workshops. Right. Tickets to a workshop that she hadn't yet organized. And there was just this comic thread by a writer called Kaylee Donaldson. And Kaylee Donaldson basically begins the thread saying that she, this, this, Influencer that I occasionally check in on because she's the worst is now charging $165 for a four hour seminar on how to be yourself. And she from the get go pointed out hey, this is if people will pay. Anyway, go on. She from the get go pointed out that this is going to be a scam or just it was just bullshit and has screen grabbed all her stories and just kind of, you know, documented this absolute shambolic shambles now i have to say you have to question kaylee's motive here right kaylee is not a stranger to caroline is she not caroline kaylee to caroline caroline posted around the time that kaylee obviously was doing this uh on one of her grams here i screenshotted this she said this on caroline's gram i just ran into the worst person i know she's an artist and her art makes the world a better place but she has not been kind to me i don't expect everyone to like me because it's not normal for all all personalities to gel i could understand if she just didn't care for me but what's made it hard is that i really wanted her to like me and she's gone out of her way to troll me i was a fan of her work and confusingly i still am this is typical of Caroline. Caroline. She is kind of sickly sweet and sort of like, she, I would never troll or I love the person who's bullying, you know. And bullshit. it's also that real kind of like fifth class mm. sort of diatribe where you're sort of half giving all the details, like just enough that even though now I know neither of those women, I want I to know everything okay but wait there's more so here she says we met before i went viral she had never expressed any discomfort with our relationship apart from saying she was just too busy to have dinner i didn't take it personal i knew if somebody doesn't want to be my friend that's fine uh the ethical and mature thing to do is express to me to me so that we can both move on after i went viral she posted an instagram story to her followers that said have you ever had a friend that is not actually your friend and you're worried that people will think you're friends but you're too polite to say something like that's fucking not nice no i mean none of this is nice it's very but then very do you want to hear more go on then she started making fun of me to my face by accident from her personal instagram she sent me my instagram story with a catty message about me to me oh rookie I think she meant to forward them to Deep someone else anxiety. and just hit the wrong button it happens it happens one day she sent me an so accident no, it doesn't, but it doesn't happen if you're not Here a little is. bitch <laughs> Caroline's forgiving uh, one day she sent me an accidental message uh, once I had started my antidepressants and was able to access a bit more self worth uh, that was the final straw I blocked her so anyway, so they knew each other, in other words. So this Kaylee woman then on Twitter calls her the worst and basically oh, charts this yeah. whole thing. Now, and she has tens of thousands of followers. After this, Kaylee before, had like 22,000 followers because she's a culture editor somewhere. It's not like okay. compared to Caroline, not that so many. Caroline so was Caroline sort of at the time bit, had like four, maybe half a million followers or something. She's close to, she's a, million close to now, a million now. But she had... I think at the time, I don't know, it doesn't really matter. But her downfall was real petty. 
kind of little misdemeanors and just eminently mockable she's stuff. She's just like selling the tickets to events that she hadn't booked she locations is just for the yet. Classic. It's not that. Bad. Yeah, no, she just is the kind of she's like she's just so mockable. Yeah, she just gets totally ahead of herself and she goes to the internet before she goes to a spreadsheet, you know? Mm. She goes and she announces something on Instagram, sets of her price she's of tickets. Half million people. Well, she's it. announcing it, she's, she's selling tickets, she's she's going No, I, but like you see it so often. Yeah. People pop up on Instagram something exciting with a poll asking oh, if they should something. start a podcast oh, famously today my God. if you know Grinch. you know Grinch. who was that again you don't want to <laughs> mention can't it say on the mic uh, why no Jen why I sent you the, I, sent I know you but what is it illegal no it's just this don't want to okay mean. never mind mean. Uh, so <laughs> what, back to Natalie sorry the author of the cut Essay. essay which I have to say thoroughly enjoyed as a read yeah but like, very nicely paced well written piece of work it was so long Cassie you know the, I you thought it was so long. whinging and self pitying oh no I, was like, I thought get oh, a hold of yourself right it's a total non story so for anyone who hasn't read the essay Caroline and Natalie were friends Natalie did a lot of work for Caroline unaffiliated like wrote her Instagram captions with her, was there by her side as Caroline kind of that, gained that. a massive following. And then the ultimate is that um, she secured Caroline a book deal. secured a book deal and Natalie had helped her put together their proposal, which was like 123 pages long, and then was helping her to write the book on the unofficial agreement that Caroline, which she says in the essay, well, they had a she got her 35%. Percent. Did she? She got it. Didn't she say? No, they know. had they had agreed on 35%. They want I, the money back now. But the, I mean, the money never materialized. So it Caroline... Was, was the agreement for under four, just under 400,000? She told dollars? she told press that it was half a million dollars. So Caroline secured this really famous literary agent, Breed something, I can't remember her second name, but it's really offensive, um, and managed to secure an, a, an advance from the publishers of $100,000, which now they're looking for back. Oh, yeah. And because she absolutely the, fucking tore through that on Adderall. So the book never materialized. What her Caroline's version of events is that she decided towards the end of writing the book that she no longer wanted to write about her life punctuated by the men that she had been with. So that the narrative of the book very much followed her relationships and that was not the book that she wanted to write. So therefore she decided to stop writing it. Whereas Natalie's narrative is that she had been helping her so much and had even written a quarter of the book without Caroline's assistance and that Caroline basically couldn't function without her and could not finish the book. Did anyone else find And also that Caroline potentially has kind of substance abuse problems well Caroline herself in other interviews and other Instagram posts Caroline herself has said that she's she's She's, had issues with drugs addiction at the time Adderall and amphetamines were were what she was taking at that time but I just thought did you anyone else notice the sexual abuse just like she dropped it in there Natalie talks in the interview about uh, being choked punched Mm. Yeah. During a sexual encounter with an older man. So, such a strange little, and then sort of doesn't really refer, it's kind of, she talks then about having bad, you know, run in with men Mm. on a few more occasions, but I just felt like that was pretty strange. And I've, it it maybe was trying to elicit some sort of sympathy then from the reader. And it did feel, I got, I get what you're saying about it being a a bit of a whinge. I thought she, I thought she wrote about herself 
like only kind of relative to Caroline, which, you know, well, that was the says argument. everything about their relationship. Yeah. Like, obviously, it was completely codependent. I think and from this start- one way. No, I genuinely think it was going both ways. I think there was like an exchange occurring, even if it looks maybe from the outside, like really unequal, like Caroline using Nat, but then Nat kind of like kind of hating, but being addicted to Caroline. Do you know that kind of way? I mean, there's a couple of instances in the essay. First of all, from the very start of the essay, Caroline or Natalie says that when she spoke to other friends about Caroline, she said from the start that she's not the kind of person who will remember your birthday, but she's the kind of person that you're going to call if you need a black market kidney. So she knew that she was an interesting but unreliable character. And there was, she said even in conversations with her mother that she's the kind of person she would write about one day. So Mm -hmm. I think that Natalie was quite eager to get a personal essay together about toxic friendships content friendships she used this experience as a means to tell a story about toxic relationships that you get yourself as much as she's painting herself out to be a victim she was actually gaining life experience and material for I think yeah I just think it's a it I think she's created something where there is not that there's not nothing there but like if you took the Instagram away from Caroline and it was a story just about two friends Mm. and this this has happened between them one friend goes objectively above and beyond to help her out with her career the other friend never follows through and nothing ever happens about it it's just a story about two people who are kind of in their early 20s haven't got their shit together Mm. that happens Mm. but like it's just the layer of kind of fame and notoriety that's come because of Caroline's eagerness to perform or be perceived in a certain way and because she's also played out the car crash like long after the kind of collision like mm. do you know that kind of way like she's still on there she's still posting it's still all happening in real time and like you said she's nearly up to a million followers because we can't look away so she's kind of continuing to provide like massive kind of like dumpster fire for us all to watch yeah do you yeah know that kind of way so i think that's why like it's kind of caught fire so much just this week like so literally Natalie they mentioned it on drive time tonight. Natalie's continuing to This is like an Instagram internet girl friendship kind of fight. Yeah. It's gone viral. They're really just dis- I mean it's being kind of hailed as this very like white girl journey. Like it's just the most <laughs> like it's just the tropiest thing I've ever seen and it probably yeah. will be made into some terrible Netflix series in which Pen What's his face stars mm. as Oscar, the the <laughs> Swedish the boyfriend, yeah. and we have Blake Lively or someone as totally maybe younger right. and gorgeous as. I feel uh, like it's the plot Caroline. of Beaches, but yeah, one of them needs to like be dying to redeem this whole thing. But Natalie, well, we're, though, we're not a, we're, by I don't writing think Caroline's this, above uh, and beyond article, article, cancer's a cancer fake. Natalie's writing this whole. She wrote a huge article. Uh, about Carolyn, about being obsessed kind of with Caroline and being mm. angry that her life has sort of just revolved around Caroline. And then she just continues. She reignites <laughs> where she left off. And now for Natalie, she's right back where she always was in totally behind the camera. And the focus is on Caroline completely. And Caroline will go on and reap any benefits that come from this. And but Natalie, I, 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 what happens yeah. to Natalie? 
I don't think uh, there maybe is. she'll she'll get a she'll get a book teacher. deal. But I I mean I was reading this whole thing and being like this whole thing would work better as fiction. Like <laughs> and I literally was like I really hope Natalie is putting together a nice bit of fiction that's got a fucking bit more plot than this. I yeah. think it could go two ways, and there's two ways I'd like to see this because Caroline out. definitely would have gone along. <laughs> I, do, like, I don't okay, know if she would have gotten the. I think now that it'll be it'll be, you know, optioned into a film, and I think that it can go two ways. It'll be like a hangover esque bad Paper. comedy where it's like, uh, you know, it'd be like um. Like those girls' night films, or like you know the one that's about the hen party and they take cocaine and someone the bride, dies. You're not the worst the bad but, night. Um, yeah, people yeah. trying to create a kind of bad, you know, a bridesmaid someone thing. Someone needs to die down an elevator sh- or a dumpster. Shaft. It could. It'll be a really <laughs> bad. Wouldn't that be good? <laughs> yeah, it'll either be like a really bad female comedy that just fails to hit the mark, or we can just give it over to uh, to. Greta, what she directs, get a Gerwig, and we get like a Ladybird esque, like really unnecessarily oh deep film. But I would watch that one. Oh my god, this is a fucking Greta Gerwig character. Yeah, and like I love if also in the background because the timelines match and the city matches. If you've Caroline Calloway just doing her thing, and then in the like in the background scenes we're seeing Anna Delvey do something at another yeah. table in New York. <laughs> totally right. That and amazing. then you've got you've got um. Brian McFarland over somewhere calling them for I don't know tips about fire festival it just to do this great Greta film about how stupid this whole thing is it's very lame but for some reason like a little it's very satisfying but I think it's really interesting because it has transcended way into the mainstream like this is Way the kind of story the that I'd like, be so quietly bet into, but like it's drive the, time on RTE wouldn't be talking about it. The Guardian that, did. Then? Why is who is Caroline Calloway and why is everyone talking about yes. it? Like, the Guardian. Marion Keys did the quiz. It's because I'm of Lisa Natalie. I. It's because of Brexit. What? I mean, I don't even need to do a quiz to know that I'm a Caroline. Spoken like a true Caroline. Wait. It's because of Brexit. It's because we all just desperately need some kind of distraction from And Brexit. it's just the right kind of too diluted my wadi for us all. <laughs> we you can know? all deal with it. We can, it is just about. Absolutely what we need. Like, in fact, if it took in any way a turn for the more serious or substance, nope. we'd all have to tune the straight the hell back out. Well, so I love it because it couldn't be better timing for me and um, my new book, Filter uh, <laughs> This, which if you're enjoying the Caroline Calloway story, you could be a fan of Filter This, available in all good bookstores. <laughs> Wonderfully tied in. That was a joyful um, journey. I love it. So how are you all? Um, I'm good. I'm really good. If this goes out to plan, it'll be going live on Friday the 13th. My da, baby da, daughter's da, da, da. It'll either go out birthday. on Friday or it'll go out on Sunday because I'm at a wedding on Saturday. Oh, right. Mm. 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 Probably tomorrow. Mm. I said to myself, do something Friday the 13th related. She'll love that. <laughs> no, do it. Do yeah, it. It's just, there'll be another one. Okay. You wanted to talk about some animal feels, did you? Well, hang on now. Uh-oh. Let me just get it up. It'll get, take me a while. Get it up, like. Would you like to tell me about your thing first? I love my story. Ugh. Okay. It's a great story. Okay, yeah. It's a it's an old documentary that you might 
I don't know if either. Maybe. I don't know. I look. I I remember it. Get a do you know anything about Chad? <laughs> do you know anything about honey badgers? Yes, I did. Did you watch a documentary about no. Stoffel the honey badger? No, I didn't. But I I did a camping trip. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, no, I did a camping trip uh, across East Africa once. And that's where they are. That's where they are. And we had to do these like bush camps, and we were like. You know, there's loads of things. In, like, we were in like Malawi, Kenya, Rwanda, Uganda. We were like warned about terrifying things what all the time. What trip was this? Were you telling people about Jesus? A great one. <laughs> I, left, I left it out. Oh, leave nice. it out, Cassie. Anyway, they told you it about... It was the- not just to clarify telling people about Jesus. Um, <laughs> it was much later in life after the... Forget it. You're making people focus too much on it. <laughs> yeah, people keep messaging me. The- um, we were warned about honey badgers above all else. Yes. Above all else. You could not leave you know why? food or anything. They'll fucking kill you. They will fucking kill you. And not just for food. Just because. Oh my they God. are So this is famously, strain of badger. I don't know. Uh, they're actually no. not badgers. It's a type of weasel. So what it looks Tiny like. Tiny looking things. They're not that small. They're like absolutely steroid Weasels. Okay. And they, what they wear is sort of a grey head and body back and tail gear. Halfway grey, halfway black. Okay. When you look in their small beady face eyes, they <laughs> look kind of nice. I mean, inquisitive. But what's hiding behind those beady, inquisitive eyes Evil. is a fucking asshole. <laughs> the same flavor of asshole is in every single one. They are ferociously. They kind aggressive. of look like if you take half of an Oreo off and you keep the half yes. that has the chocolate and the middle on it. Hmm. That's what a honey badger looks like. Beastly the face is cute. Yeah, that's what you think. The little face kind of looks like Scout's little, f- not that open no, mouth that one, one. Looks a bit angry. Um, so I'm going to tell you. It looks like. Oh my God, do you know what it looks like? It looks like a little kind of black dog that somebody has draped. Do you remember the old furry mats that you used to get in toilets in the 80s and mm. early 90s that mm. used to hug That's the right. base of the toilet? It looks like somebody has draped a little furry mat on it. It would be a mistake to drape anything on it. <laughs> okay, go on, hit us. To get that close. Um, incredibly aggressive. Very strong, never letting go once biting you and what they do is they go for your balls or where they think your balls might be so um yeah so men have died by having their balls ripped off and then they just they sort of might savage the middle section of you and then just leave you they're not they're sort of not even eating they're just in it for the kill totally totally right they love honey (laughs) as well do they think that humans or honey vessels. It's like the worst Winnie and the Pooh. What happens they is they keep making the same mistake over correct. and over. Correct. There's no fucking honey There's in no here. There's no honey. Fuck you. Ah. Blood and jizz. Uh, so Stoffel is the name of this particular honey badger that lives in a sort of a rescue. This is one after I spoke to him about Jesus. <laughs> they have really long fingernails too, like sloth level. That one looks claws. like it's preaching the word of God, mm. and it looks like it's wearing a yarmulke as well. Um. 
Okay. Stoffel is one particular. So Stoffel is one individual honey badger. He's a good representation of honey badgers on a whole. He, uh, there's a very nice man in South, South Africa, speaks Afrikaans. Mm-hmm. Afrikaans. Has a, Afrikaans has a rescue center full of animals around the area that needed to be rescued. So he's got giraffes, lions, but he has a bit of a soft spot for honey. Most farmers in the area just kill honey badgers because they just savage everything they own. Yeah, I can like, imagine. Yeah. yeah. So this guy travels around collecting them in the back of his van. Oh, Jesus. And, um, Is that a good idea? Well, he's, he's bringing them he home. lose his face? No, no. He has a... Fo- Actually, when you see him in the documentary, he has quite an aggressive scar across his Ooh. face, but he makes no reference, so no one asked him. It didn't seem like it was open for a conversation. Those lads in South Africa are very... Uh, it seems like a very macho sort of vibe down there. Mm-hmm. Just from my uh, watching short... This documentary. This documentary <laughs> and interviews with people who've come in contact with Stoffel. This particular. Anyway, Stoffel was the name of this badger, yes. funny badger that he had in the back of the van. And uh, he's been called an ambassador for a species due to his astonishingly bad attitude and uh, <laughs> penchant for escaping his enclosures. So this wildlife rehab center in South Africa uh, has been open since the early 2000s and Stoffel quickly became the center's most famous animal resident when news of his various escapades made the news. So this guy lives on a like a compound. So he has dug a huge big hole and this is where he keeps the honey badgers in a hole and a wall around the hole. Like it's nice. Like in um, Jurassic Park. Yeah, you look down into them, More visitors can see them and okay. they're safe there. Okay. Deep down. Well, yeah, you would think. But, um, not he, a problem to Stoffel. Not, not a fucking problem at all. Not Nothing <laughs> will keep this kid inside this hole. So they thought everything was going grand until uh, Stoffel was dragging sticks over and he was like, oh, he's, what's he doing there? So he was dragging sticks into the side and then climbed the sticks, got out. Clever Stoffel. <laughs> that was Stoffel's first, first escape. Stoffel. Then well what else done. did they do? Then Stoffel rolled a big muck ball, <laughs> got one of the girl badgers, got her to stand on the muck ball. He got on top of her and he was out again. <laughs> Someone left a rake in there. He dragged I mean, the rake over to the side, tilted it back and then kind of shimmied up the pole. This is a Pixar film in the making. <laughs> got out. But he's not like getting out and doing nothing. No, I wouldn't so think so. The first, one of the first times he got out, he got into, they also had a rhino in there. So he just burrowed into the rhino and for no fucking reason at all, just got a hold of the rhino's balls and would not let the fuck go. So oh. he was there swinging out of the backside of this rhino. Oh my God. For no reason. And anyway, oh so God. they had to sort of pry well, him off. you don't know his reasons. Maybe he has he some personal reasons. burrowed in. Like why? It's not even like he just was walking by, minding his own. He no, got, he, he went in for that specific the eye reason. Put the ball and said, "I must have it." I'm going to eat the sh- backside off that rhino. But like, how did the rhino not just kill it? It couldn't get to its own. Arse. Like it was just swinging his round, swinging him around. So anyway, they got Stoffel off that. He doesn't even quite know what's back. Of there. course not. It's like you either think, of our undercarriages. You think that the Who rhino knows? might sit on it or something? Well, it didn't. Oh. I'd say he couldn't fathom the pain. I think sitting and adding pressure when you've got a honey badger on your balls is probably <laughs> swinging off is the probably a bad idea. Oh, so they got Stoffel off. Everything was fine with the rhino's balls. Uh, he was back in his hole. Everything's grand. Then the next Clearly time they needed a different. 
Your man home was trying everything. He couldn't leave him without nothing. That's mean. He couldn't just be in an empty hole. God, fucking give so him he had a to like rake. give him give him a rake. That's Idiot. what he got out with. Uh, th- just someone left it behind accidentally. <laughs> anyway, the next time he got out, they put up a wire uh, like a voltage around the top. He just electrocuted himself and got out anyway. Oh my so God. he was out. No, Couldn't he find him anywhere. Man. Swinging out of the balls of, the, of a lion in one of the lion things. <laughs> right? So they were watching him. Like he, like when you look at a lion, he's like a bulldog. Two little balls <laughs> sticking out the back under the tail. Yeah. So he's latched onto them. The lion, of course, went fucking ballistic. As you would. And ripped Stoffel off him and then ripped into him. So they found Stoffel like close to death and they were like, oh, he's <laughs> finally nearly dead. Sorry. This is sad. And then the documentary tells us he was in the hospital for two months. So <laughs> Stoffel was in the hospital for two months recuperating after having been savaged. <laughs> so anyway, he got back in. He was back in his hole again. Everything was fine. He, he was sort of injured. So he was like, I'm not going to fuck with any more of these giant animals. So picturing Stoffel in the hospital bed. Yeah, that's what a little tiny, like, tiny mask over yeah, his vicious over mouth. His fucking horrible, vicious ball residue mouth. So he got, was released from the hospital, back in the hole, and everything was fine. He like they thought that took the wind out of him. I'm sure he's not going to be able to get out now. So they were lying in bed. You know how everyone has guns, obviously, in this particular place in the world. Anyway, wife of your man who owns, you know, Scarface, who owns the rehab center, or the wherever they were, lying in bed. They live on the place. Oh, is that a good idea? idea. Is that a good idea? No. Massive crash. It was all okay. Massive crash. Uh, your man was like, Someone's br- somebody's breaking into the house. <laughs> but you're gone off straight. That was good. No, no, no. no, no. Oh, it was South African. God damn it. It was good. I'm getting the gun. Don't that was better. better. That was better. Getting the gun. Okay, so he good. got the gun. <laughs> and uh, another crash, right? Stoffel was in the fucking house. Oh, oh my God. And no. he was so angry <laughs> with this man who'd fucking sent him to rehab for two months. Like, this man he who'd paid back for... back to health. Yes. Paid thousands. It's going to come back and bite him in the ass. Well, that's it. Your man was like, they go straight for my balls. So <laughs> he was literally like, he was, no, he continuously was talking about balls. They, re- they rip your ball, balls off. Oh <laughs> they rip God. the balls off. So anyway, he was not getting his balls ripped off. He had his gun and he was like, I'm not that afraid of Stoffel because he just, <laughs> you know, all that. Re- anyway, he was fine. Basically, Stoffel crashed, just broke through the front doors like bang, bang <laughs> in the gaff. Right. Do they walk on hind legs? They have. No, they're on four paws. Huge hands. Just, and like Wolverine this, Not claws. in this story. He's like big buff Stoffel. No, so, like he's tiny but really buff. Yeah, yeah. really yeah. ripped but yeah. like about really a foot tall. Ripped, but like 12 inches tall. And, and so angry. off with everything. So boom, boom. Door open, right? <laughs> then Stoffel runs his hand, Stoffel, like <laughs> over the cabinet with all the kind of, you know, Claws. he's like running his hand, smash, 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 everything done. Kicks in the front door to the kitchen. He starts eating everything in the kitchen, right? Uh, and uh, so they have these obviously large fridges where they keep all the frozen meat. And you're like, this thing's not, this thing just pries pry, pry open the fridge door. Big, huge fridge in. Like gorging on all the frozen, frozen meat in the fridge. He fucking wrecked the place, right? And your man didn't want to shoot him because, I mean, he's not going to shoot him after nursing him back to health. That would seem counterintuitive. 
So he just lets him like he doesn't he doesn't only wreck the place. He also like pisses and shits everywhere oh, just... in like a rage. <laughs> Anyway, so he gets Stoffel, fucks him back in the hull. So Stoffel, he, they were like, what am I going to do with this, this honey badger? <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do? So anyway, Stoffel's job, new job then became testing out. So there's guys making honey, obviously, in South Africa with honey. What do you call those things? Hives. Yeah. And honey badgers are wreaking havoc. They just can't make the hives on honey badger proof. So Stoffel's new job became sort of a tester for the various uh, so the documentary Mechanism has this I've both seen this I've yeah. seen this picture doing the rounds on the internet of how they turned him into a honey tester yeah so he's become this sort of uh, so the documentary has a section on it where they're trying to put Stoffel to work so they're trying to invent ways of like elevating the hive so that there is nothing they can do <laughs> nothing like they have put it up on these like slick metal posts like really high up and then they kind of, they use big steel things to kind of lock all the hives together. They're in there within five minutes, Stoffel's up in there, like slinking up the pole, like <laughs> throwing a massive dirty claw in. So anyway, so that's Stoffel's new job. And I don't know if he's still alive because so, I haven't Googled it. He probably is dead by now. But that's kind of my honey badger amazing. Oh, that, Isn't is, he amazing? That, that was brilliant. Isn't that was it? Travis oh, levels. And I should have asked the internet whether a honey badger has ever killed a man. And I'll do that right now. Let's do it right now. Has absolutely they have ever killed a, killed anyone? I'll tell you now. There's no internet. Right. I feel like if it if they have, it's like it's a Florida man. I feel like there's a story out there of Honey Badger meets Florida man. I feel like they're kind of they're so badass. They're feel just like there's like a cut from the same cloth. Yeah, like a drunk Florida man tries to attract a honey badger yeah, with like yeah. honey By on his part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His dick. I didn't want to be so graphic. Like the honey badger's going for your balls anyway. There's no need to dip your dick in honey. Um. So googling honey badger memes is great fun. Oh right, what do I you take have? What I want. Nothing can stop the honey badger. They're <laughs> fucking just... assholes. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's honey badger. Don't care. I mean, it's yeah. These so are that's good. my tale. What do you have, soaps? That really, really gave me a giggle. Um, I have I, I have something just so completely different speed. Okay. And I I apologize. So I've got I think I've got like tonight's longy. Do I? Yeah, yeah, do, go yeah. for it, go for it. Okay. I have a little story, but I could do with more research so I could save it for next Sit time. Sit on it. <laughs> Don't sit on a honey Someone badger. else, though, was talking about the fucking... Uh, we could just get someone in who was like... <laughs> it, they may not have said this, but the way I read it was, I loved when you talked about the chicken laying an egg into a person's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it still amazing? Why is my mouth watering? Have Why you looked up to see if there's any videos of it? Of a chicken laying an egg in someone's mouth. I don't think that's... I think the chicken would have to be relaxed to lay the egg. Does it spontaneously come out like a birth or do they sort of control it like a shit? Uh, I, I don't know. Anyway, But I think sorry, they have all to, I yeah. I got think was they... so many weird results there. My hen is eating her own eggs. How do I stop it? Delicious. Or this stop, one. Stop laying delicious eggs. Mouth breathing and not laying eggs. <laughs> okay, stop. Somebody's got a mouth breather of a chicken. Oh my God. Come uh, back in, Sophie. <laughs> Chick laying on side, mouth opening, unresponsive, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. 
That was in April 2014. I wonder how it panned out. Okay. So, (laughs) like, we need to, like, leave the room and come back in for what's coming. Because this is so different. Okay. So, I obviously spotted that we were recording on Friday the 13th and was like, hmm, wonder what's, like, you know, what's kind of gone down on a Friday the 13th before in the past. Oh, good, good approach. And um, I realized that a story that I have been obsessed with since I was about eight, maybe seven, happened on a Friday the 13th and I never knew. (laughs) So my BuzzFeed headline is Friday the 13th and a tin of mussels. Yeah, love that. I am so in this one. Who tins mussels? Sick bastards. Do you remember Aldi were were selling them in those freeze-dried and they looked so sad. Like they had been frozen in a misery death kind of scream. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like they're all when they're in, all individually in like the plastic. Ah! Okay, so I'm really intrigued. Actually, if Cassie will know this story as as intimately as I do, and probably you, Jen. Sorry, I have to turn off the internet now because I'm on a, reading a story about a 14 year old boy in Indonesia who lays eggs. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what? That cannot be the only. Hang thing. on, we're gonna need more of that. Oh no, no! no back into your story, no. selves. Come I on. don't think it needs any more. Another day. Doctors another... are baffled. <laughs> okay um so um in nine okay so this story happened in 1972 okay okay in um the andes so uruguayan air force flight 571 was a chartered flight and um, so it's chartered by a uruguayan rugby team mm-hmm I'm watching for, you know, uh, pennies dropping. Nothing yet. Uh, There was 45 people uh, on board uh, when it took off on the the Friday the 13th of 1972. Um, So there was um, the 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 co-pilot, Julio Cesar Ferradas, was an experienced uh, pilot. And he was accompanied by his co-pilot, Dante Hector Laguerra and he was kind of learning on the job Mm -hmm. this will become pertinent and there was a whole rugby team they were flying to play match in Chile and also family members friends people they'd invited along to come watch the match and there was like a few extra seats there was one seat bought at the last minute by a woman who was going to attend her daughter's wedding. So they um, had to cross the Andes, basically, to get to Corico in Chile. And they had set off late um, because there had been bad weather Mm -hmm. and clouds and things like that in the morning. And when they were flying over the Andes... um, the inexperienced co-pilot was in command. Why? Mm. Well, I guess they've got to learn somehow. Yeah, it's probably part of the training. They're Uh, up there. uh, You seem to be pretty good. And it's like, ah, take the wheel. This is is not great now. He seemed to think that they had reached the airport. Visibility was terrible. Why then hand the reins (laughs) to the rookie? Well, he was, yeah, he was holding the reins the whole time. And he seemed to think that he had reached the airport as I said and he uh, requested permission 
uh, via radio through air traffic control to descend. And the controller in Santiago, unaware that the flight was still over the Andes, which is one of the most terrifying looking mountain ranges, if you've ever seen them. They look like jagged black teeth. I'm looking at you because I feel like you've seen them. I've seen them. Mm. I can't I recall, think I've but I'm sure yeah. I'll oh, take your just, word for it. They just look hostile. They look hostile. hostile. So anyway, he was unaware that he was still over the Andes. Why the fuck did he think he was over an airport? He was. It's I mean, it genuinely is bizarre. Like I've read a lot of detail about this. I don't think it's like that interesting to relate. Like Rant. he was supposed to kind of traverse a pass that was on their route through the Andes. And like, it's a small charter flight. Its maximum flight height is under 30,000 feet. And it was like, it was traveling over a pass that was like high. You know, it seemed like there was all this stuff about like, you have to really carefully track your flight path because you have to like take into account fuel consumption for a plane of that size at the altitude. It's quite complex. Mm -hmm. But basically it all seems quite freaky actually. Like, like, not a lot of room for error. So give it to the new guy, you know? Eek. Anyway, so as I said, he requested permission to descend. The air traffic controller authorized him to descend to 11,500 feet. Um, so later analysis of their flight path found that the pilot had not only turned too early, like 70 kilometers too early. They were nowhere fucking near the airport yet. But also he turned at like a kind of a 14 degrees when it should have been 30 degrees. Like there's a lot of shit going on. As soon as the aircraft started to descend, severe turbulence hit. Oh, no. And like one of the passengers recalled that the plane dropped several hundred feet out of the clouds. And some of the passengers on board were kind of joking about it. You nervous know, laughter. Yeah, nervous laugh until they saw that the aircraft was very fucking close to the mountain. Like he said later, that was probably the moment when the pilots saw the black ridge rising dead ahead of them. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. So the pilot threw the plane into climbing and basically the plane was nearly vertical as he was trying to clear this ridge that they were heading straight the fuck into. And the plane was like stalling and shaking because it didn't have the power to climb vertically like what the pilot was basically asking it to do. He was applying maximum power in an effort to gain altitude. Um, so between evidence and witness accounts, it seems to indicate that the plane struck the mountain two or three times. Oh. So the pilot was able to bring the aircraft nose over the ridge, like just nearly not completely head on colliding. But the lower part of the tail had clipped the ridge and severed so it basically the back of the plane just completely fell, fell off a bunch of people sucked out with it and then one the right wing was severed completely and then um oh like the tail cone detached it took the rear portion of the like basically the cabin like the last two rows of seats and uh, the whole baggage hold everything that the plane needed to be a plane gone <laughs> Um, three passengers, the navigator and the steward, gone. Oh. 
And the aircraft, because of just the sheer kind of momentum of it all, continued to like glide forward for a few more seconds until the left wing struck like a rocky outcrop on the ridge, tore off. Um, So you're left with the nose. So now we just have a tin can, basically, of the fuselage. Oh, muscle. Oh, that's coming back. You'll get it. (laughs) Anyway, it flew straight through the air before then hitting like a near vertical slope and shooting down at 350 kilometers an hour. Like I can't even conceive of that speed. Like it's over 200 miles an hour. Anyway. It's it, not great. Thankfully, collide. No. I mean, thankfully, it collided with a snowbank. Your ears which would be popping. Like actually oh, stopped the um, the trajectory. Um, and I mean, it killed, the collision killed several people outright. Um, We'd already lost three. They'd lost five. Five. Yeah. So <clears throat> they came to rest on a glacier, basically nearly 12,000 feet up. Do you think then the guy... Yeah. Turned to the real captain and was like, I think you should take over. How'd I do? <laughs> well, I'd say, he'd be like, that's an automatic, an automatic <laughs> fail. Please return to the driving test. Center. <laughs> that's exactly what I was um, He's probably like, but they don't test for parking. So yeah. <laughs> Are we well, still in Seth? The old well, pilot died now. He didn't He's survive. already oh, dead. So yeah. that's deeply How did insensitive he die? of us. One actually. of them's already dead. But he was in the cockpit. Yeah, the, uh, the cockpit that slammed into a snowbank right. going gotcha. 200 miles an hour. Uh, but yeah. So yes. he had nobody to ask. So he just turned and got no response and then was like, hey, hey, you know. Okay. So anyway, they were on a, a glacier uh, 12,000 feet up in the Andes um, at the in the middle of the southern hemisphere winter. Like, um, <clears throat> this glacier did not have a name, it has later been named. Seriously. The Glacier of Tears. No, it hasn't. Yes, it has. And it's basically <laughs> a remote mountainous border between Chile and Argentina. Like better, the Glacier of Frozen Tears, no? <laughs> the Glacier of Tears. Yes. Doom Rock would be Just better. <laughs> shit buzz. Just an absolute glacier of shit buzz. So, rock of the 45 bottom. people. Rock, bo- except uh, it's a high. Rock in a hard place. Mm-hmm. Um, of the 45 people on the plane three passengers two crew members uh, died when it broke apart four more died obviously on impact when it hit the snowbank um, because all of the remaining seats that were still inside the plane just it didn't even matter if you were buckled into your own seat because the seat got ripped out and thrown to the front of the plane when they crashed that was the force of the crash um, Faradas died instantly as I said he was the pilot Um the co-pilot, uh, La Guerrera, who, you know, was your man holding the reins, was critically injured and trapped inside the crushed cockpit. So basically, immediately, it was chaos. He, La Guerrera, asked one of the passengers to find his pistol and shoot him. Yeah, he was probably an incredible. Well, there's the guilt. And the pain <laughs> and the confusion and the terror. The passenger declined. He was probably in deep physical and emotional pain. <laughs> Sorry, you don't think he just default to guilt straight away? It was like, you gotta kill me. That's it. Just kill me. I, I can't, can't live like this. <laughs> Here on the rock of tears. 
that I have coined this. <laughs> Surprisingly, the passenger didn't didn't want to add murdering someone to this already shit right, day. And um, then five more people died that very first night. Can we just pause for a second? Pause. Let's do it. You said at the time that the plane crashed that the rock didn't have a name. Okay, now is this go is on? It, but I yeah. just want to get inside someone's head here for didn't a second. Didn't say the rock didn't. It said glacier. The glacier didn't that have a name to land on. Yeah, the glacier that's now called the glacier of tears. Yes. So who then later went to the glacier of tears and was like, I know what we'll call it. Well, presumably it became famous. But from it became this event. quite famous. Yeah. All right. Okay. There's fine. like pilgrimages to it now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Someone with a flag being like, I shall call you Glacier of Tears. Yes. And I shall name you the Glacier of Tears. So gleeful, this story so far. It's sad. Okay. It's very sad. You know where it's going, right? I think I know where it's going. You definitely do. If you, you have said before. No, don't say. That you read survival books as, as or is I did specifically. She's more like gang gang surviving. Ah, I did because of the I did bear <laughs> bear grill style. Yeah. Right, yeah. Okay, so turn around. There's a little nugget for all you. Luckily, um, uh, a couple of the survivors were second year medical students. I mean, any medical people are probably like mm, second year. Nah. Not great. But anyway, they acted quickly to assess the kind of severity of people's wounds and to kind of like, I suppose, coordinate a bit on who needed most what and when. Um, One of the survivors remained in a coma for three days after the impact. Um, And another guy uh, discovered a piece of metal stuck in his abdomen that when when removed brought a few inches of intestine with it. Whoa. It's like a fish hook, maybe. But he immediately began helping others. And loads of people just had like horrific injuries. Um, It's a total nightmare. It's a total nightmare. So unknown to them, they the flight had actually crashed where they were was actually just over 10 miles from an abandoned hotel resort. Well, Mosney, how are you? (laughs) Yes. So you're telling me. They if were they just, did they know a few mountains away from a centre park? Or centre yeah, park, yeah. fucking centre park. An parks. abandoned centre park. Still though. Still though. Would have yeah, provided a bit of shelter. Yeah, would have ended up in a horror film where people mauled abandoned location. There would have been someone yielding a mask and a machete there waiting for Love them. It. They would have stumbled onto the set of Friday the 13th. Absolutely. Do you know yeah. though, a horror film Cabin set in centre parks? Come on. Oh, like that definitely exists. Have you seen um, oh, the Irish Danny one. Dyer's in it? Oh, what's it called? Severance. Very that's excellent so film. good. And that's in a Polish centre park. That's true. Okay, back in the room. So, um, yeah, it was kind of crushing. They were kind of close to this place, but they had no idea. And they were on a glacier. Snow, like, just up to their tits in snow. Freezing conditions. Like, they had all been just on their way to a rugby match. They did have some ski gear because some of them were planning on going skiing. So they had some ski gear, but like, again, remember half, the whole arse of the plane fell off. So like, so they have very limited supplies. Well, they have the clothes that the dead people are wearing. They should immediately wear them. Well, They're probably it, torn and mauled and like covered in blood and stuff and gone crusty. The whole thing is an <laughs> absolute shit show. They um, tried, so they immediately, a huge search was immediately launched 
when the aircraft didn't arrive in Santiago and 11 um, planes were kind of dispatched from the three countries that kind of border on this area. So Argentina, Chile and Uruguay. And the search area was included, like their location was in this search area. And a few planes flew like over the actual crash site. But they couldn't get their attention. Oh, and the whole plane was white on white oh. snow. Oh, no. And they, I mean, imagine the blood. desperation. They could have used a dying person and dragged and, and their bloody dragged body. Their body Use them like a human sharpie to write, help me Correct. in the snow. They did try to use lipstick recovered from luggage to write um, SOS on the roof of the aircraft. That's just that one lipstick's not going to go very far. They did realize that they lacked enough lipstick. To make the letters visible from they the They had enough blood. Mm, I think they, I, maybe they didn't realize like how dire things were going to get. But things Jesus. got dire pretty fast. So they basically got organized. They started to pull all of the broken seats and other debris from inside the wreckage to make a kind of a shelter inside the kind of tin can that they were left with basically. And there was 27 people left from the 45 original total. Um, How many? And remember, it's like all their family and friends that so are dead. They're not just stranger right. passengers on a flight. They You're knew everyone on that flight. Less likely to drag your mother's body through the snow to write help than you are strangers. Yes, and also I guess oh yeah, because they're quite, a team. So yeah, they yeah, all so they're a each- team. They all knew each other. All of the people who were on the flight that weren't on the team were friends and family. How many are alive now? 27 out, out of, of the four. original 45. So we lost a lot. Of lost a lot of final people. crash. And... Um, like people in, were kind of dying as the days were going on as I'd well. Imagine so. uh, yeah. So they tried to kind of basically keep out some of the cold because the temperatures at night were just like, you know, well, they were well below freezing. And, um, you know, they sort of tried, tried to improvise, um, you know, to keep themselves alive. There was one guy who was kind of quite inventive and he they were eating the snow Bad, um, bad thing to yeah, do. Actually, Lower your your body will waste so you. many energy, so much energy. Yeah, defrosting the snow. It's and then they were kind of getting cramps as well from eating the frozen snow. So he basically set up a kind of a water system where, like, he ripped sheet metal out from under the seats of the plane. They'd put snow on it in the sun during the day. They'd melt the snow. It would drip into kind of the empty wine bottles they found. He also made these kind of sunglasses, improvised sunglasses using the sun visors from the cabin's pilot and bras and <laughs> basically had kind of sort of a, like a bra- head helmet. bra sort of, but oh, it was to prevent clever. sun blindness, which is vicious. Thing, yeah. um, and also none of them had no, knew fucking anything about being at altitude. Well, yeah. Like they were all, like the majority of them between kind of like 18 and 22 because they were all on a rugby team together. Like Useless. they were really young. Useless. Lads. I mean, they did well. They did pretty well considering. Like, so anyway, the, um, they used like the seat cushions as snowshoes to try and get around. Because obviously like hi- you're hiking at like 12,000 feet. Like every step you're sinking up to your arse. Like That's right. all of that just mm. absolutely wrecking you physically. And uh, so anyway, the captain of the rugby team kind of took charge. And um, your man with uh, the, in the coma woke up and discovered that his sister was really injured. And like she kind of was one of the early fatalities. She kind of died a couple of days later. 
Um, so the temperatures at night dropped to minus 30 degrees. Oh my God. Um, they all like just lived, they just were from like near the sea. Some of them had never seen snow before at all. And a bad way to I'm sure they wouldn't it. be rushing back to a ski holiday if they got <laughs> out of this. Jen, I'd say they're deeply traumatized. Yeah, no doubt. Um, the, the title of my next section Snow is just dead. Reluctant Cannibals. So yes, they are I knew deeply traumatized. Here. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so this is the food they had, okay? They made out with eight chocolate bars, a tin of mussels. What even? Who was bringing that on who, an aeroplane? I mean, disgusting. But like, how I would have genuinely gone cannibalism first, Sophie. mussels last resort. Sophie. Tin of mussels. Tin of mussels. Or your sister. Tin of mussels. She would have wanted that. Okay, so the tin of mussels, three small jars of jam, a tin of almonds, a few dates, dried plums, and a few bottles of wine. Hmm. Um, So they divided, they rationed all of that out in the days after the crash. Famously, Parado ate a single chocolate-covered peanut over three days. Was this the captain? No, no. The two pilots are totally dead now. Who's Parado? Parado was... Um, one of the pilots? No, he was no. one of the guys. Sorry. Just one of the lads on the team. Why was he being so stoic and starvy? Well, they were all trying to be stoic and starvy. Sorry, Parado was the guy who was in the coma. That's oh. why I was referring but That's to why he lasted so long. He had three days of no eating. <laughs> just cheated there. So anyway, obviously, their food supplies dwindled quickly. And they literally started eating cotton seats and leather oh like gosh. they were just come on guys like they should have gone to the people much quicker than they sooner did sooner than the leather oh definitely i mean you don't want to be the first to suggest you, it's it really awkward yeah. come on somebody can we just get a hold of ourselves it's meat they were very religious this kept coming up which i thought was very interesting well, that could be they a, were all yeah, that could be a catholic part of it. and they were like it was such a strong taboo for them plus and crucially again they knew them all. Like, as you said, it was, your, it was their sister. It was Look, it's people. a surviving now, situation. Look, but they, they did they it. Could have turned to the they pilots. decided to eat the pilots first. Yeah. That is cl- brilliant. Which is, Excellent I think, choice. fair and just. They were the strangers. They And, I mean, they flew into a mountain. Now, you have to be careful what bits you eat. Yeah. If you eat, for instance, the liver, or you Bad will, idea. you'll die. Um, why? Unless why it's it's toxic. Because it's toxic. Yeah, and the kidneys. Things that filter, the, 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 the organs that operate as filters for your body are not yeah, ideally. Yeah. I mean, but I don't think anyone's going to chomp livers. down on the, yeah, on the uh, large intestine. Like, yeah, the, lar- the shit pipe is not going to be the first thing okay. you go You'd for. You'd go for a good cheek. You'd go for the ass cheek. That, I think that is genuinely what they went for first. Yeah. If I remember correctly from the movie. And but they, they agonised for a long time. And... There was one guy who was being very pragmatic and he was like, we've got Eat to fucking do it. the meat. Like, we can all feel our bodies what are they? consuming themselves. Vegans. It's a ridiculous conversation. They, they're this not vegans. They're ridiculous just that you can't see that they had humans. a moment's pause before they just ate their friends. I, Kathy Lorraine, mother. keep her the fuck away from me if a we moment, go down. A moment's pause. If we pause. go down on the way to Cork next month, you keep her away from me. I'm not waiting three days to eat your ass. I just saw you dissect that burger. You don't even deserve any of this. 
Anyway, <laughs> they finally came around and ate the pie. That's Look, ass. eventually they had to do it. This guy, Canessa, just stood up and he was like, I'm going to fucking do it. And Is that Vanessa with a K? That's Canessa with a C. Um, so he got some broken glass and he went out there and he set the example by eating the first good man Canessa frozen flesh and he probably did save people he probably did by just kidding me of course striking out and just making the first stab at it I think and then now the others didn't all just follow suit there was like still strong resistance lame lots of people just refused the meat for days and days um, or they would try to eat it and they couldn't keep it down that because is fucking the lame. Because of it was so... I can't... I can't. Okay, they are very traumatised. They have been lost on a glacier for over 10 days and at this point. And they are surrounded by meat. Yeah, but Jen, <laughs> like, it's, it's a not little delicious. bit different. It's frozen for starters and it's raw. It's survival. They eventually cottoned on to hanging it to dry. So it was kind of more like jerky. Mm. Chewy though That'll last a lot longer And I suppose There's no way of them Lighting a fire Surrounded by snow Like No like they, well, You can't even snow. barbecue They have shallots And Lots. butter And a little bit of Garlic like, A little bit of smoked maybe garlic Maybe fresh thyme. There is yeah. absolutely A way of making a fire If they'd stopped Eating the cotton Out of the seats <laughs> They could make a fire With which to cook Their friends <laughs> it's So obvious And family This is just Natural selection These guys This was just Darwinism Trying to take him out. Okay. Shit keeps getting worse. So then a few days later, an avalanche buries the fucking plane that they're all oh, hiding for in. Fuck's no. sake. Killing eight people and trapping all the others. In the tin can. In the fucking tin can. So right, if you guys know, know, do you know much about avalanches? They're fucking horrifying. Like I still, it's my number one terror of like please like I'll burn alive rather than being an avalanche she worked in the snow area basically mm. all the snow turns to something like a kind of a liquid well not liquid but kind of like a heavy kind of cement mm. it, it moves and then it resets and like you're encased in it quicksand vibes no I mean yeah it's like texture of quicksand when it's on the move then it stops and it sets to be like cement and you're literally completely encased. Yeah, because in it. if snow... you don't get your hands up around your face to make an air pocket, you could suffocate in like minutes. Aren't snow particles just... um, kind of jagged? So the more pressure you put on them to try and they escape, they like tighter. the packer like they become. Snowflake. Yeah, it's completely. Yeah, but like solid. interlocking snowflakes that want it's to like kill you. It's like you're in a snow coffin. It's. But it's terrifying. No joke. So how many people <laughs> died in the avalanche bit? Um, eight. Eight, that's Eight a died lot. in the avalanche. But the remaining bit. twenty, what? Well, no. The rest died, of them were trapped in inside the bloody tin can and realized that they were running out of air. Like, and they basically and had to it's try going and get... to be really dark in there, presumably. Yes, and they Terrifying. presumably all kind of hate each other by now because they've stuck been stuck in the tin can for two weeks. They're eating all around them, and they've watched each other eat their sisters. Like, <sighs> awful. It's dark. So they've managed to escape the tin can and um, but like they were trapped for three days inside it in a space like three foot by three foot, like millions of them just crammed in there among the corpses of their friends for three 
days. How the fuck Jenny, did they get three out foot of that? by three foot, or is that an exaggeration? Yeah, it says extremely cramped space inside the fuselage, three foot by three foot. Oh my god! So how, how many are remaining? Eight minus. We're down the, to so what are we? Well, we, we were, were on twenty-seven. 27 so we've we're lost eight. twenty oh, now. Yeah, 19. We're about nineteen now. But we presumably so, lost a few over a couple of days anyway. Yeah. But we're how we're, did they get out of the avalanche? They thing. got uh, they like ripped pipes off the inside of the plane and used that to kind of like hack Dig out. and yeah. Um, Such a bummer. I though, don't think I'm like hmm, okay. I don't think 19 people fit in, in three feet by three, three feet. feet by three feet. Maybe that's everybody. But that's what the headroom space. was. Sorry, that's just okay. Look, I think it was tight. Okay, it wasn't great. No crack. one was having any crack in there. Um. So anyway, yeah, more like more fucking shit storm kind of stuff was happening. They basically had uh, gotten a radio from the uh, from the pilot's cabin, got it working, but just one way, so they could hear, but they couldn't communicate. Oh my god! So they could hear when the search was called off after twelve days. Shit. And uh, so that was like really, at least the skinnier really get, grim. the skinnier they get, the more space there is. There is that. Less delicious they are, though, sadly. Yes, less use they are. They'd made a group pact, by the way, that should they die, they were to be kind of consumed next, I guess. Like there was kind it's of a pressure order or whatever. People were still dying on the reg. Gangrene was taking some people. Oh, yeah, they still yeah, got yeah. horrific injuries. One guy who was said to be one of the strongest guys on the team um, died weighing just under four stone. Wow. Oh my God. Like this is a rugby player. Emaciated. Emaciated. Yeah. Now he was one like that they would give him food and he'd hide it or throw it away because he couldn't cope with um, what he was being forced to eat. So he. For fuck's sake. Let himself die. But he was dying. He was only a baby. Like they're only like 19, 20. Jen, you cannot judge people for not wanting to, to eat, eat people. their friends. I am. In a survive in, in an absolute desire, d- disastrous moment like that. Gloves are off. The gloves are off. You've got your little knife and fork at the ready. You're Look at her. She's salivating. Little. <laughs> you're, just, you're just waiting to get us trapped in a plane in the Andes. <laughs> no meat on you, Cass. Tear Mountain. See you later. Okay, so basically, the one thing about knowing that the search had been called off was that it kind of consolidated them into being like, so How right, did they hear the, the search was caught, called off On again? the radio that they oh got from the uh, cabin. So the one-way radio. It kicked their arses into kind of like, we have to help ourselves. No one else is going to help us kind of thing. So like they started to do little treks where like they kind of picked the kind of least banjaxed among the group. Like they're all completely fucked. They've been on this glacier for like, you know, what? Two six weeks. weeks. No, oh, no. Six weeks. No, time's really passing now. Like it's nearly December. Jesus. Um, so, so they're pre- all presumed dead at this point. Yeah, like just they literally they'd heard um, the news reports saying that their bodies would be retrieved in the summer. Oh, when the oh. ice I mean, is melted. That's pretty demoralizing. Especially if you're like, uh, imagine all, right? we're living in this 
horrendous human abattoir exactly. on a glacier. Let's in say the you did survive and you were just like, God knows how I'm here today. And then the summer fucking rolls around and you've eat, it's exposed that you've eaten all your mates. Uh-huh. And I'm sure that happened. I mean, it wasn't far off that. It's actually worse. Anyway, so they start doing kind of recce missions and things like that. Um, where they're trying to send the best of a bad lot out. At one point, they recovered the tail of the plane. And so that kind of helps them a bit because they get a bit of more kind of stuff out of it. Okay. They find a radio in that that they like think, oh, we can get the radio going. And they have a whole project about the radio that takes weeks and it doesn't go anywhere. It's a bit depressing. Anyway, Why anyway. Does it take weeks. What else are they doing? Oh, because they like, they find the radio. They need a battery. They have to go back to the original plane. They realize it's too heavy to carry across the snow. They have to go back to, listen. There's a whole reason I cut it out. Like, <laughs> too technical. <laughs> anyway, it was basically like that they decided the only way out was to go up and over the mountain that they were basically kind of on and head west. That, that was, They were convinced that was the only kind of route to civilization. And they needed to make a s- huge, super giant sleeping bag for whoever went out on the trek so that they could survive the nights in minus 30 degrees. Things were like sort of warming up because it was kind of December now. So... It was like getting a tiny bit less dangerous, I guess. Tiny bit. Still, they're all so compromised and fucked. that Amazing they lasted so Um, long. Totally. So they made, they fashioned a huge sleeping bag. um, And they set off, three of the lads set off on a 10 day track. Now, there's a lot, I went in, there's a lot of detail on this. I'm going to sum it up here. The 10 day track included... Summiting a mountain, they had cushions strapped to their feet for snowshoes. They got to the top of the mountain expecting to like look over and see the airport practically. But all they saw was other peaks in every fucking direction. They had endless arguments about which way to go. They had to carve steps out of a vertical ice wall and climb it. So exhausting. And eventually, at the end of those 10 days, they found a cattle hand. So on December 20th, 70 days after they had gone down in the plane. 10 weeks. Yeah. They met Sergio Catalan Martinez, a 44-year-old cattle hand with a small land holding. He heard faint shouting from the other side of this huge river at like nine o'clock at night when he'd gone out to look at some grazing animals. <laughs> Sorry. He saw what appeared to be two tramps, his words, not mine, on the other side of the river. But the noise of the river was so loud and drowning out their weak voices. On his heels and he went sh- home. He shouted to them that he'd come uh, back the next day. Okay. Gutting. Gut. Well, no, oh not God. gutting. I'd, but I'd say they mightn't have been able to hear him. I'd say they were well, like, that's where the true. fuck are you going? Come back. Anyway, the next morning, when he still couldn't hear what they were shouting, he threw over a piece of paper and a pencil attached to a stone, which I can't believe you could throw a piece I'm of paper here. but not hear them. But anyway... And so they wrote on it and threw back to him. I come from the plane that crashed in the mountains. I am Uruguayan. We've been walking like this for 10 days. My friend is injured. There are still 14 people in the plane. We have to get out of here quickly because we have nothing to eat. We can walk no more. So TG, after 72 days, they were finally rescued. 
Unbelievable story. When they were rescued, they explained that they had eaten some cheese and other food that they had carried with them. Mm. And then local plants and herbs. Now, they planned to discuss the details of how they survived, including the cannibalism, in private with their families. Yes. Which is fair and reasonable did they for do- some very young men to want to do after yeah. being completely traumatized. But did they commit a crime by doing that? Well, I think w- it's like- it depends. In the States, it's only a crime in like Idaho or somewhere. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hang on. Sorry, yeah, what? really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cannibalism. It's only a crime in one state. Yeah, I can double check which state, but um, but like to I went kill on someone an and interesting journey if, after this. So, like, if journey. you if you don't kill them but you eat someone that's dead, you're okay. Like, yeah, that's uh, exactly right, Cassandra. And don't you come after me because I researched this. So, yeah, they don't have a federal law banning cannibalism in the states. Only Idaho is the state where consuming human flesh can land you in prison. So anyway, they decide... But there's enough laws around dead bodies that like... Well, it's certainly you get very hard. For something. It would be a deterrent. But this is... But back absolutely to the 70s in South America where they hadn't necessarily committed a crime, I guess, but like, you know, it's very fucking taboo. And these are young guys. Not for Jen O'Dwyer. Not for Jen O'Dwyer. Jen would have led the charge. We saw that. Ab- weeks Jen before they would did. would have produced... Some condiments mm. from her knapsack. A little fruit sauce. And say, and say in anticipation of uh, this, I brought the Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> I love it. Why do you pick a it? one condiment, one you, condiment can't you can't pronounce? But anyway, before they got a chance to, you know, like break the news to their friends and families, um, the world was taken by surprise on the 23rd of December with news reports of cannibalism. No. Basically, um, some pictures of uh, the Andean Relief Corps had gone to the crash site and one of the pictures, there was a half-eaten human leg which appeared on the front page of two Chilean newspapers. That's a shitter. A people should of a shitter. People should right before them. Christmas. People got understand. Like, they... They had no other option. It's Absolutely not, like... not. But I think basically immediately rumours just started flying that they hadn't resorted to cannibalism, that they had actually killed survivors. What? But like, it's not true. Yeah. But it, it was really traumatic because it genuinely, like it caught hold of the kind of collective consciousness a little bit. So what became of the survivors? So, well... The, I think this is really sad. The authorities um, and the kind of victims' families decided to bury the remains near the site of the crash. So they decided not to retrieve their bodies, but to give them a common grave at the crash site. I think it's because it was all such a mess. I don't know. Basically, 13 bodies were untouched and 15 were kind of skeletal. So... Hmm. I think it might have been a bit like a way of protecting people from the kind of the kind of grimmer details of exactly what had happened to their kids. Do you know the way? Okay, that's okay. I don't know. So yeah, it's really sad. So basically, um, you know, a, a dozen men and a priest were transported up to the crash site a, about a month later to do this kind of mass burial, and family members were not allowed to attend. And they closed the grave and they built like a stone altar on top. And then they burned the whole remains of the plane. Um, 
And basically this one father learned from one of the survivors that his son, his dying wish had been to be buried at home, like to not be left on this mountain. Mm. And the father became really consumed by this, understandably. And he wasn't allowed to retrieve his son's body. He couldn't get permission. So instead, he mounted an expedition on his own with hired guides. Like, and he went up there and he had gotten the information out of the priest which bag contained his son's remains. Mm. Oh my God. It's so fucking sad. And he anyway, he went up there and he got his child out of the grave, which I can't even conceive of like, what nah. that man went through yeah. to get his son. Like, mm. he uh, he fucking, like, excavated a mass grave mm. to get his child. Yeah. And he, anyway, he brought his son back to that, the old abandoned centre parks. And he was arrested for grave robbing. Oh, I know. Thank God. They, a federal judge intervened and, like, they did get, call it all off. TG. And he got to keep his son and bury him where he wanted to bury him. Which is like a weird end to a very weird. What about the survivors? Crazy story. So the survivors have a reunion every year. There's still obviously a few of them still knocking around. Yeah, there's a good few of them. Yeah, um, I think there's about six or seven still alive. Wow, what a thing to have lived through. So they're all kind of like I suppose they must be kind of seventies, eighties now. So they were like, is this a, this is from Alive? 70s. The f- so book yeah, and the, the, film. the movie was made in ninety three mm. or released in ninety three, which was where my macabre obsession was born um so yeah they now loads of the survivors have um written books taken part in the documentaries and loads of them have like become kind of motivational speakers and do kind of work in kind of advocacy and things like that incredible really really uh what a story mad and sad it's crazy yeah Mm, amazing isn't it and then like as a real aside like if you want to know like how I came by that information about the cannibalism laws in America I don't know why now I was just on another little bit of a you know journey mm. with cannibalism I kind of got interested in about like I was like when, I wonder when the more recent kind of cannibalism cases were and I found this guy who um, I don't know if you remember this story um, from Reddit he was a Reddit user um, username incredibly shiny shart Mm-mm. And he shared his story of how after a motorcycle crash I remember crushed this. his foot, the doctors said that they needed to amputate and mm-hmm. he said, can I keep it? This is in 2016. The doctor said yes. So three weeks after the accident, um, incredibly shiny short, um, invited 10 of his most open-minded friends to a special brunch. No. They cooked his foot. Yeah. He said, apparently among his friends, they'd always discuss this. If you could taste human flesh in an ethical way, would you? Yes. So he served apple strudel, quiche puff pastries, fruit tarts and chocolate cake. They drank gin, lemonade punches and mimosas. And then the main course came out, fajita tacos made from incredibly shiny shorts, severed human limb. And? The verdict? Um... There's loads of pictures, by the way. Like, there's some here, like, they've kind of, this is on Vice, so they didn't give all of them because the Vice thinks it's too graphic. What, to show meat? But, (laughs) 
Jen, I'm really concerned by how flippantly you refer to human flesh as just meat. But do you think it's something magical? No, but it, it can, like, it's just, I don't think we should eat it. You're, I'm Cassie, your body is not you. You're so, just in there in a bag of flesh. Okay, that's actually a beautiful sentiment, but it's just been delivered by a, a, a cannibal, cannibal sympathizer. So. A cannibal ideator. Uh, come on. So um, one of the uh, incredibly shiny shorts uh, friend's boyfriend was a chef. And so he said he'd do the cooking. So the chef prepared it. And uh, the final tally of people who ate it was the chef and his girlfriend, incredibly shiny shorts, ex-girlfriend, a friend from college and a couple of other friends that he picked up and one of their daughters. It was a close group. And uh, so he marinated it overnight. How did it taste? Um, People think it tastes like pork because we hear it called long pig in the movies. But that term originated in places like Papua New Guinea where they eat wild boar. They're not eating our big fat domesticated pigs that have white meat. Boars don't have white meat. This I feel like he's avoiding the question there. He thinks, okay, he said it was one of the, some of the reddest, most flavorful meat it ever had almost like venison hmm. I've heard it be where we had a story where someone described it compared it to venison before um, maybe I think it was, it was um, one of my many cannibal yeah, stories your, probably your, your Japanese guy who ate his friend that's right one of the friends did have to spit him into a napkin <laughs> it was a queasy anticipation says <laughs> incredibly <laughs> shiny shark we all looked at each other like we doing this right we're doing this. Anyway, that was great. Thank you. Alive. Are we all still alive? I mean, I do think. Yeah, that I'm too. I wouldn't close and I couldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't get any sleep around you now thinking that you. I'm not eat eating you while you're at, still alive. I can't believe I shocked you. You're. Come on. Anyway, thanks for coming by. If you fancy giving us money, do. If Fabulous. you don't, grant. <laughs> See you next week. Wait, wait, wait. If you fancy giving us money, though, the perks are coming aplenty. The perks are coming. You will get your first shot at tickets to our Halloween special in Dublin on the 30th of October. It's going to be a brilliant night up in Henrietta Street. It's going to be super creepy, super scary. You will also get a handwritten note and a tote on the way in the post. And thank you very much. Patreon.com forward slash creep type. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.